started here. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today to discuss Jurassic World Dominion is Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. And Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. I'm glad to be here, Luke. We are going to be discussing Jurassic World Dominion, the latest incarnation of the Jurassic Park franchise, which, no puns intended, after having watched this movie, I feel is long in the proverbial tooth. Mel, first impression of Jurassic World. Well, going in, uh, having seen all the rest of the movies, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. Um, I always love to see how far the um, graphics have come since 93, because I always thought they were kind of impressive back in the day. But now they're, you know, really great with the technology that we have today with the dinosaurs. I love seeing all the new dinosaurs. It was nice to see the old crew back together. Um, Lord Dern and Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill reprised their roles from the original 1993 film. So it was always really nice to see. But I did feel the movie was long. Uh, I was, I honestly, I tapped out right around the two hour mark. I was like, where are the credits? I am done. But um, it was uh, interesting. They they had to come up with a plot. I understand. Uh, Wait, they had, came up with a plot? It had a lot of holes. There were, there were lots of questions. There were lots of questions, but it's definitely, if you're looking for action, I mean, this is your movie, but if you want things that make sense, this might not be for you, um, but it was okay. It, it was all right. Mo, what was your first impression? Hey, we tried to do Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of what it felt like in a way. But, uh, you know, to, to Mel's point, I think that it uh, truly, in terms of the structure of the plot and so forth, you know, you had your... OG crew, more or less, they were trying to bring them back together. Um, you know, uh, Laura Derns, Ellie Sattler, and uh, Sam Neill's Alan Gray. You know, really just getting that OG crew back together really fairly quickly. I didn't have a problem with how they got them back together. And of course, uh, with Jeff Bloom, Goldblum's char- character, Ian Malcolm, just bringing them all together, getting them where they needed to be at to interact with the uh jurassic world crew you know it's just i do agree it was very bloated and it could have it could i think this movie could have been like 210 205 something like something along those lines it didn't need that extra 20 minutes i i also feel as though the plots i mean you could just I mean, it was big enough that a Tyrannosaurus Rex could walk through some of those plots. It was it was utterly ridiculous. And but I will say, you know, as Mel pointed out, you know, the uh, the um, the CGI 
the technology behind the dinosaurs is very impressive. I'm not going to lie. I loved um, Owen's, you know, chase through the, when he was being chased by raptors through the streets, you know, and he was on his motorcycle. I'm not going to lie. That, that was cool. That was a cool moment. But, you know, it had a lot of cool moments, but it lacked, in my opinion, a cohesive plot in a plot that you really could care about that you hadn't seen before. So I feel like this movie didn't know. My quick take is that this movie didn't know what it wanted to be. It starts out as a Western. Then we turn into Aquaman with the chase scene that, um, or Indiana Jones, uh, the, the love child of Aquaman and Indiana Jones in the chase scene that Mo was just referring to. It, there was a little bit of Jurassic Park still in it with the dinosaurs and the original cast members returning. But the continuity of this thing, like, there was no continuity. Like, we start out, in theory, when Blue's baby is captured, they're in the mountains and it's covered in snow. Now, I don't know how long the official, like, time frame of this um, movie was in terms of days, but when they return the baby to blue, it doesn't feel like it's been more than a week. And all of a sudden, all this snow covered ground where supposedly blue has been for the past week is now lush green ferns, not a tra- trace of snow anywhere to be seen, anything. Like they couldn't even keep up the continuity of returning the baby to snow covered ground where the book started out as it was trying to be a Western. There was no continuity. The movie didn't know what it needed to be, but there was some fun action sequences in it. That's my quick take. Mel. So, Oh, go ahead, Mo. So I, I was going to be, to be fair. There's to no to that, be that, fair. No, no, this hold is on, my now, hold opinion. On, hold on, hold on, hold on now. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, Luke. Hold on. Now, to be fair, I have experience and lived in a, <laughs> live in a part of the country where it literally snows one day. Were they not in Alaska? No, I thought. Hold on, I thought because, they were because in California. They were somewhere north, if the way I understood it to be, when they because they were in the woods somewhere up north where there was snow and where it, like that gave me a very Alaska or British Columbia vibe with the way they that were place. In the Sierra Nevada mountains. Okay, yeah, and... those are. That's California. I don't know. I have a Texas public school education. I don't know anything. Else. So, so yeah, and so yeah, it's Sierra Nevada. It's 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 Northern California. So so it, I, I'm I'm not saying that they couldn't have done so, something to make sure there was the continuity there. Uh, given that you're right, it probably this all probably couldn't have taken more than a week, two weeks tops. Right. And 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 so I I'm just saying that if your whole argument, you know, if you're going to let that that is not my only argument. I think that there was a whole bunch of continuity stuff like the fact that like the airplane that they used to get into the getaway. I mean, there were so many things that were just unprobable that didn't make sense that continuity wise just fell apart that like i half the time i was looking at my friend who i was going with and i was rolling my eyes 
there were more eye rolls in that movie than I've had in a movie in a very long time. Mel, what did you think of the OG cast reuniting? Laura oh. Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill. I love seeing the OGs. Uh, anytime a movie can do that, especially, you know, a sequel or at this point, I don't even know what part this is, five or six. Anytime we can go back to the original and give them homage and give them them flowers, I love that. And I always thought those three had a really great, easy chemistry. You know, we got Laura Dern's character and uh, Sam Neill's character who have always been off again, on again. We don't know. Will they, won't they, so on and so forth. But they were all also very intelligent. So I love that. And then Jeff Goldblum character comes in. He plays Dr. B. Ian Malcolm and... Uh, he's always the wild card. You never really know what's going to happen, but they all love science and they all love the dinosaurs and they want to make sure it happens, make sure it works. Everybody serves a very important role in the film. So it's always good to see them there. Uh, like Mo was talking about, they made sure to reunite the, the cast or at least show them to us early. So it's just like, we're not waiting for them to show up like at the very end, kind of like Ghostbusters did where we knew they were coming and it was anticipation, anticipation. They finally showed up, you know, the last 10 minutes in the movie, we got to see them the whole movie. So I did like that part of it because it's something that's familiar. Mo, what did you think of the OG cast? You know, as I said earlier, I mean, I, I was of the opinion, you know, again, this is the sixth movie in this sequence, and theoretically, it's the last movie. You know, you never know. I'm sure at some part there will be a re another reboot. But, you know, you want to pay these people their, their flowers now while their eyes are open. And to do, you know... Look, How old are you, are you trying to make these poor people while their eyes are open? Jeff Goldblum is old. Sam Neill is 74. Jeff Goldblum is 69. Like, they old. So, you know, I mean... My, you... oh my. Rushing these people to the grave. Nobody is trying to kill them. We just need no, to make not... sure they get their due. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not saying... But here, here's the thing. It, we got this, you know, this sort of reunion of... Just like in... in um, in Spider-Man, in the last Spider-Man film, where we got the three Spider-Men in, in Avengers Endgame when we've got all these Avengers together, it's the same exact same concept. It is feeding into a fan base that is 30 years old at this point. There's people who went to the original Jurassic Park movies back in the 90s who, who were bringing their children to this one. So it makes perfect sense to connect it and bring this circle together. I, I my, my thing is, is I kind of, would have liked a little bit more clarity about what were they doing during the previous two <laughs> Jurassic World films. You know, I would have liked a little bit more context, uh, especially for uh, Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant, what they were doing. I mean, it just more or less seemed like they were just kind of like doing their own thing in the background while those last two films were going on. So I was perfectly happy to see them. Um, I... I'm not sure if you all heard there was a bit of controversy surrounding the return of Sam Neill's Alan Grant and Laura Dern's Ellie Sadler uh, talking about, you know, whether or not that their relationship was inappropriate. I don't know if you all heard heard that. I I saw that. But to be honest, because the other movies had been so long ago, I was like, 
I'm not going to invest my energy in another in another controver- uh, social media controversy. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not that the controversy was might not have been valid. It was just one of those things that I, uh, for a lot of social media controversies or things that are going on, I just take myself out of it. For example, the whole Will Smith at the Oscar thing. I chose not to weigh in. I chose not to read much beyond like the uh, initial analysis of it. And I just stayed out of it. And so that's sort of how I'm doing, like approaching a lot of these type of things. And so that's just what I did. I don't know if Mel at all paid attention. I I heard a little something about it. Yeah. But I, mm, I see where they're coming from. Yeah. I honestly was curious because I don't re- see I don't I hadn't watched the original in so long that I just didn't remember what was the dynamic, you know, other than they both were paleontologists before and they were working together. I didn't I couldn't remember if 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 uh, he was her superior. I just I, I just, for some reason I just thought they were partners. But anyway. Well, um we had some returning cast members. Uh, Mo mentioned one of them already, Chris Pratt. We've got, uh, as Owen Grady, we have Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering. And um, what did you think of their roles? I, like, for me, I have a hard time believing in them as a romantic couple for some reason. I don't know why. I just didn't buy into it. Did either of you? Uh, I I think it's okay. I mean, because the movies were more recent, so I remember them going that route, and I was just like, oh, I wonder if they're still together. Oh, it's still a thing. So, uh, I mean, they played the family role well enough. It was okay. I mean, it's not like there was any heat, but it was all right. Mo? Yeah, I agree. I I just I never got invested in their relationship. Yeah. The way I did with Pratt's Star-Lord and Gamora. It just I just there was no I don't feel overly invested. I feel like it's this on again off again thing and at a certain point, you know, they're just going to end up being you know, former lovers who are friends is what I, I get. I, I just don't really feel a whole lot of heat. But, you know, we we also forgot like one other returning cast member. You know, Luke, uh, B D Wong's Doctor uh, Wu. That's right. He's he, that that is one character that has survived a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. The premise of this movie was the fact that. Um, a Steve Jobs type intellect shul has uh who is in charge of a bio company has or owns it CEO founder whatever you want to call it is has has been scooping up the dinosaurs and doing experiments supposedly to better um help humanity but now there is this plague of mega locusts that are or grasshoppers that are basically going through and destroying any crops that are not um, grown from seeds by the same bio company and a conspiracy as to whether or not are trying to confirm the conspiracy as to whether or not this bio company is 
basically trying to wipe out all of the the, um, the competitors so everybody will buy their seeds is the basic foundation for the most of the storyline. There's also the fact that we have um, Maisie, played by Isabella Sermon, who we find out is a clone, a genetic clone, and that her DNA could have the cure for destroying these grasshoppers that have gotten out of control beyond what was initially developed by Dr. Henry Henry Wu. I felt that there were a lot of stretches in all of this in terms of the explanation about how this all worked and how this girl's like DNA was trademarked, copyrighted, whatever you want to call it, and how it was the only thing that could save the world from itself. Mel, what did you think of these two foundational principles for this movie? Mm, like we was talking about, it was a reach. It's a bit of a stretch. I mean, some of it is classic director park of you have a scientist who is taking all of this old DNA and mutating it and making it something different because we want to make things better, quote unquote. And I'm like, isn't that every Jurassic Park movie ever? Like, oh, we just wanted to try and make it better. And now it's out of control. Like, how many times are we going to do this? But uh, uh, the whole thing with the clone is just like, uh, really? We made a clone of a woman made a clone of herself. And then she corrected her own DNA. But that's the only time she did it. She only did the one time. And we haven't like no one has uncovered this. The girl is what fourteen, fifteen. So no one has uncovered her work this whole time. Really, that was a little bit of a, a a reach, a stretch for me. But I guess they had to come up with something to try and make it interesting. And you would think that more people would be after this girl if, since she is a clone and her DNA holds the cure, basically to replacing the bad genes in somebody's DNA. I'm like, wouldn't we want to use that for, you know, more things like cancer and AIDS and all kinds of other stuff? But hey, what do I know? So I I, I get it, but it could have been better. Mo? So I'm going to say one, apparently the uh, the head of biosim, um, Lewis Dodson, apparently he, he appeared in the original Jurassic Park movie, but he was portrayed by a different actor. So I do... Again, appreciate they are trying to set up, set that up structurally by again bringing him and Wu and Doctor Wu back. But again, they don't thread that needle because, the, as Mel said, clone human clones is just one step to me too far. It just it's just one too many plot points. That's not that if 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 they were going to make Maisie Lockwood a clone, right? I feel like they should have set that up better in the last Jurassic World right? And they did not do it. So I do give you that in terms of your argument about continuity, Luke. It's kind of like the the issue with we had in the last, those last Star Wars, the last three Star Wars movies about Ray's parentage. It's the exact same issue. It wasn't properly set up. But the irony is, here's the irony of that, is we had the same, uh, I believe it's the same director. Yeah, it's the same director for the last two movies. So, and, and, he, and he, he worked on the screenplay. Own, he couldn't follow his own continuity? You said it, I didn't. 
So they, after ending up in Africa to try and track down where Maisie has been kidnapped, she's flown from North America to Africa and then to Europe. They end up getting a ride from Africa to Europe um, with a pilot by the name of Kayla, played by DeWanda Wise. I actually thought that Kayla and Owen had more chemistry than Claire and Owen in this. I liked her character, but at the same time, I'm like, this character somehow got a lot of airtime for just being a pilot, you know? I... I... If there's future Jurassic movies, would she still play a role in it? Will she still come back? Because she doesn't really have anything to do with any of the experiments. She doesn't have anything to do with the dinosaurs in the past, like even like connected to, say, like Blue and Blue being able to have babies without um, needing a a father. I, I just... I just feel like there was a lot of stuff that wasn't thought through. What did you think, Mel, of the whole globetrotting element of this before they get to the valley that is the refuge? She served the purpose of transportation because they needed to figure out a way to get them to all of these places. It kind of reminds me of, you brought up earlier, Indiana Jones. There was a lot of Indiana Jones uh, Easter eggs and references here in this movie more than there have been in the past, like especially with Sam and the hat and then the, with the traveling and everything. Cause that's, that's an Indiana Jones thing anyways. So uh, that served her purpose. And I feel like they needed somebody else who was, was going to be bold and wasn't going to be the little scared woman. Like they like to do. It annoys me. So they, they needed someone to serve that purpose, and she did. And she is also, you know, the only main primary uh, black character, uh, black female character in the movie. So we needed to feature her. I wish there were more of us, because, you know, I feel like we could be wrapped up in that. It could happen. Who knows? But um, she had an easy chemistry with Chris Pratt. That's true. Um, they, they got along. It was kind of like his, his fighting buddy to do things where he's not rescuing somebody all the time. So I, I get that, but I don't know if it's something where we would make her essential to future movies because, you know, we really saw her beginning and end in the entire film of she just wanted to fly her plane and make her little bag and do what she had to do. And she ended up getting another plane. So, I mean, do we really need her? So they end up going to the refuge. Owen and Claire end up going with uh, to the refuge. Their plane crashes. Meanwhile, Ellie and Alan have arrived in the refuge because they're invited by uh, the bad guy, Lewis. And he has an assistant who is also black by the name of Ramsey Cole. And Ramsey has been basically feeding information to Ian and been trying to get the information out about what's going on with these locust, like hybrid locust grasshoppers that are destroying crops throughout the world. Because of the crash, we end up getting to see some really fun sort of spooky scenes with the big three dinosaurs that we've all um, sort of become accustomed to seeing in one form or another in the um, Jurassic movies. I personally find that 
it's not the big ones that scare me. It's the little fuckers that are in like the cave or the tunnels and like it's the little ones where you can get a bunch of them and they run as a pack and those are the ones that really creep me out not necessarily the big ones what did you guys think of the dinosaurs in the refuge and having to escape them mo you first well in terms of the dinosaurs in the refuge you know this is wash rinse and repeat you know you're going to end up with dinosaurs in the refuge the you know, I think what with, with Dominion did well is they understood what, what like you said, Luke, about what, what do you need to do to make people get scared? And again, it isn't about necessarily the larger ones, because the larger ones are nice, give you a nice little jump. It's the shock of when you're going through a cave or um, you're in that tunnel, you come up and... Next thing you know, there's like 20 of them suckers, like you said, that, that, that jumps on top of you. So I think in, in terms of utilizing some like horror elements, I think it did a really good job of, of fusing that in the dinosaurs. Um, I, I will say that, you know, again, as I just mentioned, you, the setup is pretty much the same. They are always going to end up at some sort of park, island, peninsula whatever where the dinosaurs are supposed to be quote unquote under control and then they are never under control no they're never so i knew that from the get-go it's like oh well we've got this habitat where it's you know it's it's in europe and it's isolated i'm like this thing this movie is called jurassic world dominion and we already got the dinosaurs roman the, the planet, you know, like, and it's, there's no way that something's not going to happen and they are going to escape. So, I mean, you can't, you have to have your expectations set and know that if they end up somewhere, it all hell's going to break loose and that people are going to be running for their lives. Mel, what did you think? I, I agree with you, Luke, that the little ones are always the scariest ones. Everybody knows that the velociraptors are the ones you don't want to mess with. They have always been the ones that's like, okay, you're not going to outrun them. They mean you're going to get got. That's what it is. I love seeing the other ones that had like the big feathers around their head. I feel like those are always really evil, but I do enjoy seeing the big dinosaurs too. Cause what did they have this one? Giga mega or whatever it was. I like that one too, but I do like their, that they're expanding more of the air dinosaurs, you know, the pterodactyls and all them, because they made a big, big plot point out of the aerial defense system. You know, kind of like, don't forget about the ones in the air. And, of course, the, the water ones as well. I mean, so I, I like that it, they didn't just make it all about the land dinosaurs. They were like, oh, yeah, we, we coming with all of them this time. I, I thought that the dinosaur that was on the frozen lake was fun. That one was mm. also creepy. Like, once again, the medium to smaller sized ones were the ones that I actually enjoyed more than the big three. Um, okay. So, basically, if we're going to do this the way we do every other Jurassic Park movie, things go to hell, the refuge burns, the, the locust slash grasshoppers... Um, they, 
the big bad it sets them on fire, only they don't die right away. They actually fly up out of an air vent and spread fire over the entire refuge, which then leads to all of the dinosaurs rushing from the refuge into the holding corral because they have electronic control nodes in the dinosaurs that will basically um, control them to come in. And so now the refuge is burning. All the dinosaurs are in the compound. Our heroes have to get out of the compound to a helicopter as the big bad is taking an escape car through one of the underground tunnels for him to escape. But because, of course, there's always a way for the big bad to escape. Mo, what did you think of the climax as they were trying to escape the refuge. Well, you know, I, I again, I, I have to go back and say that it was fairly standard for a Jurassic movie. You know, there's always the one means of escape after maybe a couple other options have gotten destroyed. Um, and in this instance, I, I, I think the, the, to me, like I didn't. Once you got past that part where they were all trapped in, like, for the better, for the lack of uh, better terms, that treehouse substation, and no one perished, I felt that there were like very little stakes, and that no one was going to die at that point except Lewis Dodson, which again. Because if you've seen every Jurassic movie, <laughs> the big bad always gets eaten by a dinosaur. You know, it's always fun to try to figure out, well, how is this person going to be killed this time? You know, in this case, you know, he was he was in like that that little underground subway system and those those little those those small little dinosaurs, those creatures with with uh, the way Mel described it. Mel, how, you, how did you describe them? With they have their... these, like, you know, like it's, I don't know if it's skin or if yeah. it's feathers or whatever it is, but those, yeah, they ain't the ones you want to mess with. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like 20, and then you see these little eyes, and then, like, next thing you know, you see these little teeth, and they get them. But, I mean, that was fun because you, you want to see how the dinosaurs kill people. I mean, like... Let's be real. Part of the fun is just going to see how they come up with how they're going to kill people this time. It's just that for the main cast of characters, especially with a group this large, no one died. And we in Avengers Endgame, they killed, they were killing people. You know, I mean, hell, even in Spider-Man, the last Spider-Man movie, you know, even these large ensemble movies, at least traditionally, kill one of your lead her- heroes or heroines this did not happen i expected somebody to get got and they did okay this leads us to our final scores mel out of five stars what would you give it i think it's a solid three mo i agree with mel a three well, you guys are more generous than I. I would give it a one and a half. Damn! Wow! Listen, I my eyes I have not my eyes have not rolled that hard since Dragon War 
whatever back in 2000 whatever and it was a terrible movie where people were openly mocking the the movie as we were sitting there because we couldn't believe that we were in such a bad movie this movie was bad very very bad well okay i i just feel like it just felt again to me it felt like standard jurassic Park mm-hmm. slash World Fair. There it, wasn't anything it, that we hadn't seen. Correct, yeah. and there was no twist. I was expe- I was honestly waiting for some sort of twist, and I didn't get that. I just thought I wasn't like I personally didn't run out of the theater or feel the need like, oh my god, I'm just gonna walk out of the theater. I just felt like, okay, I saw this movie. I'd seen the previous five Jurassic movies. I I just saw this as part of, you know, me being a fan of this franchise and liking this franchise since I was a child. And it just it just I just didn't I didn't feel anything like I don't I didn't feel any need to um Go to recommend really recommend this movie. I recommended this movie. People asked me about it. I said it was for completionists. I didn't say that you needed to seek this out. I would tell people, you know, there there are other movies out right now if you want to rewatch something. But this does not need to be watched to me more than once in theaters. I would suggest it doesn't need to be watched once. Um, on that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Follow, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Eagles, and Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Don't let the dinosaurs get you.